Kawhi alone inside. He's got the breakaway with the touch to the right. Go! Official podcast of your Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by Summit Brewing Company. Even after all my logic and theories, folks, things continue to make no sense. Howdy, folks! This is the People's Pitch Podcast, the official podcast of your Minneapolis City Soccer Club. I am your host, John, and with me is my trusty fixer, the Nate Morales. (laughs) Nate, I feel like I am living in a bizarro soccer world, my man. Things are too good to be true. Yes, John, this is, uh, I would say this is absolutely the West world of soccer seasons, that's for sure. I think challenging enough, so maybe we think it's for real, but when the chips are down, we're always going to win. Yeah, I, well, <laughs> easy. <laughs> <laughs> or at least we won't die. <laughs> right, the, uh, the the butthole puckering is less this season than mm-hmm. it was last year. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so this week's show, we made a, a little stop in Rochester through the rain and the uh, the 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 thunder and lightning, and picked up three well needed away points. Our U twenty threes, the Rookery, peeked their heads out of their nest and played their first official public match, and we have some mail. And finally, we'll get you ready for all that is Sweet City Sauce coming this week, including the infamous technical difficulties makeup match and Saturday's U twenty three NPSL doubleheader in Osseo. Nate. Let's you and I create some fire, why don't we? Yes, yes. So last weekend, uh, the boys climbed into Murder 1, and they headed on down to Rochester, home of the Mayhem, the Naughty Nurses, the Medics, whatever you want to call them. We put the hurt on them. And, uh, John, I don't know if you remember this, just like Giovanni Ribisi in Saving Private Ryan, there was nothing that these medics could do to save (laughs) themselves, man. Uh, They were the latest casualty of our murder tour. Uh, the starting lineup for Minneapolis City down there in Rochester was Matt Elder in net, a back line of AO, Max Kent, Trey Benhart, Mark Haight. We had Chuck, Will, and Marty starting in the midfield. Very unorthodox midfield that reminded me a lot of the uh, this, the trip to Sioux Falls, so I was a little worried. But when your right. midfield is Chuck, Will uh, as the defending or the holding midfielders and Marty up top, you might do okay. Um, Whitney... And Nick Hutton on the wings, and Timmy Wills in the middle. And we had a pretty young uh, call-up bench, I would call it, uh, with some brand-new City players and some U23 call-ups. Of course, Siku Chroma on the bench, and then one, two, three, four, four U23s. Josh De La Rosa, Troy Luwegi, Lionel Vang, and Aiden O'Driscoll. Uh, there was an injured James Nair sitting on the bench just screaming for fun, maybe. We had on the oh, bench... absolutely. Sa- <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> we had Sarah running the game to Twitter, and of course, John, you were on the bench. Shades I of uh, Madison 56ers. Uh, well, no, shades of last year uh, against Med City. That's true, away. that's true, that's yeah. true. I am undefeated on the bench against the medics. <laughs> <laughs> so, as you noted, Nate, uh, with the injury bug and other obligations, we leaned heavily on all of the outside 
uh, all all of them outside of Troy um, from a U twenty three perspective who had kind of made their uh, their mark felt, and then uh, Aiden as well making his his debut. But um, you said young bench, the dudes carried uh, around a water. <laughs> Here's the funny thing about Troy: the dude carries around a water bottle that says Mike's secret sauce on it. So how can you not like who's sitting and watching a game with Troy? Who's Mike? Bench? I had no idea. He didn't even tell me who Mike was. <laughs> That's like the next, the newest Steve mystery. It is. So maybe I started calling Troy Mike. Yeah. Because, uh, it, so it's just funny because, I mean, he's like nine feet tall and it, like you can't miss him. So I'm like flanked by two polar bears in him and James. And <laughs> I go, I go to fill up a glass of water for Whitney who ran over to get, um, cause I was sitting right next to the water jug. And then I come back and, and Troy just kind of quietly just says, uh, John, don't don't use that stuff. Use this, and he just shows me his Gatorade jug with a piece of tape that says "fuck secret sauce" on it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "God damn it, kid!" Uh, <clears throat> so <You're> bizarre, <laughs> right? So, anyways, uh, were you able to catch the game at all, Nate? Or were yeah, you yeah, following so, game on Twitter? No, I was uh, I was watching the feed. I was at a uh, birthday party, a uh, 40th birthday party at New New Bohemia in Roseville, and I was the guy in the corner. With the uh, with my phone watching the live feed, which was basically a flip book. I don't know if you got a chance to see the feed at all, but it <laughs> yeah, did. did. It was uh, it was a little herky jerky, but I did get a chance to see both city goals. And wouldn't you know what the feed cut out uh, right before Rochester scored? So I was calling sh- shenanigans, but it all turned out okay for us. It was like a Tumblr uh, screen screen flip. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so the game started out with a thirty minute rain delay, and uh, you know. I'll caveat this. The whole way there, all I'm hearing from Matt and from Adam is, we're not playing this game. We're not playing this game. Everyone's like, oh, man, your guys are driving right into a hail and tornado warnings. And I was like, guys, we're going to be fine. So all of you can suck it because I was the, the, the overly optimistic one who was like, we are playing this game. And play the game we did, Nate. But we started 30 minutes late because of lightning. It was the only strike of lightning that we saw. And then all of a sudden, like we were in the eye of the storm, the red parted right around where we were at. Like li- literally on the radar, it went around the stadium. So rain stopped, or it was very, very light, and we were off to warm-ups, but we only had 30 minutes to warm up, which which totally sucks, but both teams had to go through it, so there oh. wasn't a competitive advantage there. So the game started on time, it's just a matter of you only had 30 minutes on the field instead of the normal hour, or 45. Right, exactly. Okay. So both teams had to go through the suck of only having 30 minutes to prepare, but it is what it is, and then we, we were off. But one thing to note, too, before we start was we were, uh, as always, diving into the rule book and following the rules like some people don't, uh, and we found <laughs> out that an official match is, is, is uh, considered after 45 minutes. So oh. with, with all the bad weather that was going on, number one in the locker room on the whiteboard was gotta start fast. Yep. And and got to score goals early because we we didn't know if come 45 minutes later that the game would be over. So we we couldn't fall behind on the road and then see And then just be like, "Well, you don't get a chance to come back." Right, exactly. So we were in constant communication with the referees and and we kind of knew what the story was. So anyways, on we went. The game started out with the nurses deploying their 3-5-2 formation and lo and behold, Nate, where do you think all of their attacks came from? Um, I'm going to go out wide. 
Yes, out wide. And it was almost comical how little they tried to play up the middle. And what I don't get about their team is, and we've talked about it before, we respect them for, for how well they can play and their individuals that can play on the ball, but they just follow this system of trying to create 2v1 matchups on the wing, specifically the left side, that it's just it's actually easy for us to defend against that, um, however hard it, as it looks on the field or when you're watching. But from a, from a player perspective, you know where the ball is going to go. Yeah. And I noticed I that real early that we were – there was a lot of action, especially on the far side of the field through mm-hmm. the stream. Um, and really it felt like when we needed to get a breather, we could just kick it over to a couple guys in the middle, kick it around a little bit, and then move on with our lives. Right. And I was – you know uh, – talking to james and i was like james where do you think the ball's gonna go and he's like oh he's like left side oh and then the ball goes to the left side and the next time <laughs> i got the ball i was like hey james i bet you 100 bucks the ball goes to the left side and it would just keep going through that left side and what i understand that they have um uh neto and rapido the, that's the, but the two, left side is mujic's side isn't it well he didn't start he only came on because of injury oh. so um they had another guy uh i forget what his name was but he was much better than 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 uh but um, I understand they want to whip crosses in, but the problem is, is that when they actually were more dangerous against us when they did try to play through the middle, but it was almost like they got hit by the the, the shot collar whenever they tried that by their coach, and then he made them <laughs> go right back outside again. And I mean, outside of a couple substitutions to bring on um, some taller, more attacking options. All it said to us was they're putting on uh, actually uh, what was his name Jared Holt the def- the central defender who had the handball last mm-hmm. time we played them he he didn't start and then he came on as a central striker in the in the second half and I was I, what? I pulled I know exactly I pulled Max and Trey aside and I was like you guys know what they're doing right they're not going to play through the middle anymore they're going to try to whip in crosses this ogre who's going to try to nick in a goal yep. so don't even worry about anything through the middle like worry about it all coming from the outside and then just pick off those passes so anyways um, <clears throat> with the crows easier, e- eager to exploit uh, exploit another uh, bunker of slow defenders and then um, people pressing us um, we did what we do best, and that was pressure and then release our wingers. That is when 20 minutes in, a clearance came from Trey that, uh, out of the back line that caused some trouble on the bounce between two uh, Med City defenders. Um, and then it was literally attacked by an onrushing Nick Hutton. Like, he was already at full steam before these guys even knew what hit him. He collected the ball. He turned the defender inside out. Like, the guy spun like a top. Uh, he picked his head up and saw where the keeper was and then put it down and unleashed a laser into the upper 90. And I mean, if you could put a ball into the upper ni- 95 and it could still go in, he figured out how to do it. And, I mean, his his shot was hit so hard that the goalie didn't even move. He did, he did, I don't even think he turned his head. It went in the goal and then he picked it out of the back of the net. And then right there, Nate, the Crows, are they we strike first again and we are up one nothing 20 minutes in. I didn't... Um... So I, I'm sure, I don't know if you got a chance to rewatch the stream, but in the confines of New Bohemia on my phone, I didn't get to hear this. But the commentators for this game were not <laughs> yeah. were not the best, right? No, it and, was actually the PA announcer who would like turn off the PA and say something and then turn the PA on. Oh, announce. it was? Oh, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. So he's kind of, you know, doing a real mediocre job. But when that, when that hits, the, when that ball hits the upper net, he just goes, oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. And then he was like, "Oh shoot! Oh man! Oh, okay." Yeah. 
What are and you going to do about that? Yeah, and then Hutton runs over to, like, high-five everybody on the bench, and he's like, I think that's the guy you scored. He's like, yeah, no shit, guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, amazing goal. I, a couple people on Twitter have said goal of the year so far, and it was, uh, you know, if, if only for sheer power and determination, it was one of the one of the goals of the season. It was a classic Hutton goal. He just used his... his you know, his athletic ability and his brute force to, to win a ball. And then he just beat a guy and just fucking lasered it. Um, but anyway, so with that momentum on our side, we looked to keep possession on the slick floor. And at times we were able to string some good bouts of passing together. But by and large, uh, we were it was a back and forth physical game. And I actually thought that the referee crew did a really good job of managing it and letting them play, but also stopping it when it had to stop mm-hmm. and throwing around the cards when they needed to. Um, outside of the yellow card we got, which I'll get into later, um, but the nurses found themselves growing ever frustrated with the fact that we oh, we had our defensive six players, um, and I'll I'll clue uh, you know kind of key in on Charlie uh, Chuck played fantastic at the number six, and then when you have a guy like Will Kidd who has the energy of a Labrador Retriever, you don't you're not going to be able to break that down in the middle. So we had six guys that were always back organized picking passes off in the middle or defending out wide. And they were unable to unlock things uh, outside of some long distance shots by Neto and Rapido, who both can strike, strike a ball very well, but nothing really materialized. So around the 40 minute mark, I'll call it a masterclass in tactical changes. Uh, Our coaching staff deployed um, basically understanding that there was a clear weakness in the Med City back line as they were leaving a huge gap in front of them themselves, in front of the three, and they were very spread out. So there were clear um, channels for us to attack through. So Coach Pribs did some switching of personnel and moved Will Kidd from the number eight spot in the midfield to the wing, replacing Martin, who uh, who dropped back into the or sorry. Martin replaced him at the number eight. Uh, Timmy dropped back from his usual striker role into his unconventional uh, number 10 role, and kind of that false nine. And then Hutton was moved to the sole striker role. And the nurses did not know what hit them. A mere five minutes after that change, we saw Tim, uh, Tim, uh, Timmy basically do a typical Timmy turn, uh, collect the ball nicely, turn, and then he, a, a great weighted pass through one of those gaps to an onrushing Hutton, beating the defender, and he slots a deft pass right across the onrushing goalkeeper to Will Kidd, who was just waiting there, to flick the ball past the goalie and then slot home what eventually would be the, the, the game-winning goal. So, yeah. Nate, this was nothing more than a brilliant recognition of our players' strengths and quickly adjusting that to counter a, a glaring weakness of the other team. So now the Crows go into the half with a much-needed two-goal lead, which is ever important because at any moment a lightning strike could end that game. Yeah, that's and, which is a great point that you know was not provided. That context was, of course, not provided by the amazing announcer uh, on the stream. But I want to point out a couple things. First is that uh, when I was, this is an interesting explanation of what happened because I was when I was watching the goal, I thought. What the hell is Nick Hutton doing all the way on the left side of the field when he's supposed to be the right winger? Um, and then seeing that, I thought that Will had a, maybe that throughout the course of play, throughout you know some defensive yeah, shifts some or switching you know or they've had to shift and Will was out right and Hutton was somehow in the middle, ended up covering him for a little bit. Um, but I, I like I like the move because what that did was put all speed up top. You had you had Whitney and Hut and Will all the way across, and like you said. <laughs> yeah. With that slower back line, with them giving us so much space, 
all they needed was a good running start and they burned and they could burn past him. And that's exactly sure. what Nick did. Like he beat four defenders. He ran diagonal across the field, passed basically four defenders to and and passed the ball to Will at the perfect time as he was getting around that fifth one and somehow Will was able to kind of boop give it a little touch over the onrushing keeper and there was there was nothing left for him to do but put it in the net. It was it was a great hard working Will Kid Rampage goal. It was. And I think there's there's two other things that were kind of unfolded here. One was the fact that um, if we look at how you look at Timmy as a striker, we know Timmy can finish, but we've we've talked about it at almost at nauseum with since he's been part of Minneapolis City on what he does to make the the players around him better, but also the hard work he does off the ball. So bringing him back a level, like he was able like that that play even though he he received a ball and turned, the play before that was almost identical where he worked his ass off to tackle their their central defender and nick the ball off him. It was just his pass that was a little bit too hard. So like his work ethic underneath there, um, underneath the, the the forward line was what we really needed in that those gaps to be able to to pounce on a on a on a defender to make sure that we win that ball and then spark the attack. The other thing is what we've seen throughout this year is we kind of score team goals outside of Nick's first goal, which was his pure brute force. Um, last year we did a lot of solo efforts in front of goal. And this year we're seeing that we're, 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 we'd like our guys to shoot and shoot often. But what we're seeing is, is that guys who have clear scoring opportunities are willing to forego that, that finish to find a better angle with a pass. And that's what happened on this goal. It was very unselfish of Nick, who could have slotted his second goal by by trying to, to or at least giving her giving her a rip and see see what happens. Right, but now we're seeing more of like a, a like team team effort goals and not individual efforts, which is what we saw with that's what really a lot of Goose's goals were last year, right? Yeah, just like oh, 20, I'm twenty yards out. Let's let's let her rip. Yeah, or I'm gonna beat these four guys and slot in the corner. Um, now it's I'm gonna I'm gonna create a. I'm going to create an angle with my touch and then I'm going to, it'll create space for the other guy who has a better angle at finishing. So, yeah. um, very, very good stuff there. Um, so anyways, Nate, after the half, the emotions were running very high for the crows. They, but they unexpectedly came out of the locker room on the back foot, which was the exact opposite of what we talked about and what we <laughs> needed. So I'll give a little bit of credit here to Med City. They turned up the pressure, but we were equal to every challenge until a soft foul, and I believe an even softer yellow card, was issued to Mark Hape. So he did leave his feet on a challenge, um, and he did get the ball, but it just kind of looked a little awkward because he, it was wet and he slipped a little bit. So keys of the game I talked about last last week do not give them free kicks in dangerous positions and that's exactly and dangerous it was that's exactly when the when the uh feed cut out because i saw that there was a stoppage of play and i didn't quite understand what had happened and then all of a sudden when it comes back on we're down two one no we're we're up two to one or i'm that's what i meant (laughs) but they that they scored the goal and we're up we're up two one instead of two nothing Right. So basically it was a gr- I mean they're great at at set pieces. I mean, if they spent half the time they do at set pieces figuring out how to counter different ways to attack instead of going on the left side, they'd probably win the division to be honest with you. But anyways, they do a great job of of finishing free kicks. Uh Neto uh is just a big human being and he just cleared a path from from the top of the box to to the the corner of the 6 um and <laughs> just 
throwing guys out of his way, and he hit a ball off a, off a bounce and buried it, buried the home the goal. And this is when the old oh crap comments started flying, and the tension started to get turned up. And and will we fold? Um, you know what, what's going to happen? Those kind of questions started uh, happening in the uh, the city fans' minds. So. The match would end uh, would be end to end with chances on both sides after that, with challenges flying in, which made for an exciting final half hour, to be honest. Um, but everything Med City tried to counter us with was equalized by another stellar performance by our defense. So with tired legs and heavy wet feet starting to kind of take toll after playing on wet turf for you know for over an hour, the substitution started to come in. And uh, City, once again, needed to rely on its depth this part in the game. And you look at the bench we had. You had some people who were proven, and you had some people who uh, from the U23s that have come up and have performed. But you also had some guys in there that you're like, I don't know who this is. This is a big moment in a big game that we really, yeah. really need to see out. Can they perform? So the first sub came in with inserting Josh De La Rosa for a, a tired Whitney Brown. And, you know, Whitney didn't find the score sheet, but... A lot of his, his effort and, and his credit was um, on the defensive end because there were waves of attack coming on his side. And typically, like last year, Whitney Whitney and Goose tended to not want to come back and play defense. Yeah. Uh, but but it's a new Whitney this year, man. Like he he forewent his his number one focus of trying to get into the attack to really putting in a defensive shift. And I give him a ton of credit for that because it's exactly what we needed. So he was gassed. Put in Josh De La Rosa, who we all know has just a tireless engine. Then it was Lionel Vang, who was inserted to add a spark and, and some well-needed speed in the middle of the field for, for Martin, who was also tiring. And then uh, Timmy, again, tiring, was lifted for Aiden O'Driscoll, making his debut, um, who he's more of a central defensive midfielder. So we put him in yep. um, to the uh, to be able to, to kind of see the game out, more of a, a more composed defensive-minded midfielder like, uh, like a Ipsa or like a, a Steve. Um, and then we saw Siku coming on for Mark Haight, who was starting to be bothered by uh, his weak ankle. Um, not necessarily re-injured, but just he he fought hard and he needed he needed to come out. Yeah. Um, so that was the bench, and everyone got in except for Troy and Mike's Secret Sauce. But um, <laughs> uh, we needed <laughs> we needed the bench to spell the the starters and and assist in getting these vital three points. And these changes on paper, like I said, some would seem like a worrisome group of changes to, to fans to like, I don't know these guys, they're yeah. young, but they were well up for the challenge. And, and you know, Siku's only 19. So you throw another, a 19 yes. year old in there too. Yeah. I know. Right. Shocker. <laughs> um, so you, so you throw, you throw a couple call, basically four college kids in um, to a pressure cooker. Um, and they, but they brought energy, Nate and, and outside of Siku, um, Josh and Lionel and, and Aiden, they, they've been, training with each other day in and day out and they had this this uncanny familiarity on the pitch with each other and really yeah like they were they were they were moving off the ball in triangle i mean josh is on a wing and lionel and and aiden were in the middle but what they were doing was moving off the ball well to to find pockets and they just knew where each guy was going to be and it was really great to see because not only does it show that our u23 staff is getting these guys prepared um but but they're able to when they get in there to to pull on those cues that they see in practice so very cool yeah it was super cool to see and 
my god, dude, it was what we needed. <laughs> it was yeah. what what we needed. Yeah. So um so with the minutes waning, uh, it was a combination uh, play of like I said of Josh, um, Lionel, and Aiden who calmed things down and really just did a fantastic job of keeping the ball to kill off the clock. Um, after a clearance by Ao, who put in another masterpiece, um, to defending on his his right side when a lot of those waves were coming at him, um, Josh really smartly drew a foul um, for, on a guy. Um, the ensuing free kick kind of was lumped into the box, um, into the corner of the box to, to waste some time, and ended up being the last kick of the game. So three points to the Crows and another statement this year that this team has the fight to see these games out. Um, and and we collected those well-needed points where many have said, and, and all, and, in all honesty, I agree, last year's team may have found a way to crack and fold here. And that's not a slight on anyone that played on the team last year. It's just a different atmosphere this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Like you said, last year we either would have given up that second goal and uh, and walked away with it with just a single point, or we would have been the ones giving up the first goal and mm-hmm. and having to try to claw back claw our way back on the road and sure. maybe maybe squeak out squeak out a draw. Um, but I think you you kind of nailed it on the head, John. That with well, these you. when you look at this bench and you see really it's a small bench with one, two, three. We had four position six. players available. Yeah, so we brought 16. Yep, three of them U23 players. It's one of those things where you look at it and say, ah, it's, U, it's all U23s. Like, how are we going to compete? This is an important game. And I'll admit, that's at least twice this year where I've been needlessly nervous about a number of U23s being being on the bench. Um, and this because this game was exactly like I thought. Like, this is a game that we needed to go all in on in order to win, knowing that we've got a little bit of rest ahead, but knowing that this is a very important three points on the road that are with that's within our reach. But again, this game showed the team's flexibility and patience. We waited for our chances. We took advantage of them with a quickness. I mean, like we said, Hutton's quick thinking and his ability to beat a defender on um, to a ball that was in the air and then beat two more on his way to goal. Um, and then again, his hustle to beat four defenders diagonally, springing Will one-on-one on the other side of the field. Like, very impressed with um, with how that worked. And I'm also impressed with our young, sometimes played out-of-position guys. I should say young and our out-of-position guys. Uh, impressed with their ability to absorb quite a bit of pressure to be able to play very closely together and tightly together like you observed and adapt to what was an increasingly physical game. Um, but again, first and foremost, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice. Wait, no. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> however that works, um, you know, I, I think I should just remember to n- always believe in the U23s when I see them on the bench and know that they will, they seem to be contributing quite strongly to the team's depth over the course of the year. And they can plug in exactly where we need them at exactly the right time. So hats off to the coaching staff. Hats off to to Coach Matt and his and his guys to get them ready to uh, to perform at what should be a higher level for them. Right. I mean, I think you 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 nailed it. I, think about what would have happened last year if we had eight potential starters out with injury or with other obligations. I mean, you're you traveling admit, with. You might travel with four, and like you, like one of them is the keeper, and he's done. So you got three. Dan's on the bench. You have to put him in. <laughs> yeah, it would have been. Yeah. It would have been a disaster. It would have been a disaster. We talked about it in our management uh, meeting we have every Monday, which is like, what would we have done? We really, what we would have, we would have gone down there, and this would have been the turning point where we, the maybe for the demise of our season. So, you know, we 
we have we started the 23s as a way to keep talent in-house and build for the future and give these guys a high-level place to play when they're coming off their freshman, sophomore, some junior seasons in college. Yep. But now, like with some of these guys, you know, like I talked to Josh about you know coming back from his knee injury and saying like just trust the process and and play hard and and you'll be rewarded. And actually, Aiden, um, Aiden tried out with for us two years ago, and his ability on the field I always saw was there. It was just his physicality um, and his confidence to be able to to elevate, to play with, against players at this caliber. And I told him at that point, I said, if I had a spot for you, I would give it to you, but I don't. But I, I promise you, if you put the work in in your college season and you come back and, and you and you play the way I know you're, you're going to elevate to, you'll be, we'll have a place for you. And it's another uh, instance of it, it, it you know, the, the fruits of the labor for these guys that have come in. And yeah. Um, and it's just awesome. It's really awesome to see. But anyways, they, they had their own season to play. So let's talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, man. Uh, so last week we saw the official, unofficial start to the U23 season. I say official because it's the first game that people could go to. Unofficial because they've already played against Minnesota United. Um, but they started their U23 season. They took on FC Baraya at Moundsview High School. It was a beautiful day for soccer. If you follow the game day Twitter... The uh, the Rookery put together a great first game, and we got to see a few of the faces that maybe have not featured for the NPSL side yet take the field. Nate, it was really great to finally get these guys into a full 90-minute match, 90 minute match that wasn't behind closed doors. Yeah. The, the match itself ended 1-1 on a Ken Love Sloan goal. I just love saying Ken Love Sloan. So it, it is Sloan, right? Yeah. Okay, because on the autocorrect, I think, on game day is... So uh, salon, yeah. No, it's it's Sloan. Okay, good um, to know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Stupid autocorrect. So, uh, heads but, up, game day Twitter. Yeah, get some game day Twitter. Uh, but really, it was a game of missed chances there, uh, which was very uh, uncanny to our Sioux Falls game in the first game of the year. Uh, there multitude of chances that were created but squandered. Um, outside of that, though, uh, defense and goalkeeper put in a really great. Great shift, uh, Troy Luigi, who came, uh, Mike uh, Mike Luigi, who uh, who came uh, <laughs> with us to uh, Rochester, started the match, and then Luke Anderson out of Drake finished the matchup um, in the goal. So we created a lot of chances though um, through the run of play with a very dynamic midfield of Nathan Fiener, uh, Finer and uh, Arthur Perrins, and. I mean, they controlled the pace of the game. They set up chances for the attackers. We work. I, um, I I trained the guys last night because um, Matt Matt was uh, physically unable to perform yesterday, so he asked me to step in. So I did. I worked on basically finishing with them for a good forty five minutes. What happened so, to Matt? Uh, Matt hurt his knee. Um, he. Had, I don't know how or what happened. It wasn't like a playing or coaching injury. I don't. I don't know. He hurt his knee and uh, he he wasn't comfortable moving around the field coaching, so he asked me to step in. So um, always happy to step in and yell at yell at soccer players. So, uh, but anyway, we worked on we worked we worked on finishing last night. Hopefully, we're uh, it'll translate to the next next game. If it does, I will take all of the credit. Um, but it was a really great first step for these guys as they actually hit the return leg against Bariah, um this Saturday in a doubleheader at Osseo High School before the NPSL team takes on Sioux Falls 
Thunder. And I'll say this, if you, if you really want to see the future of what this team can be, you really need to get out early on Saturday at 3, 3.30 and watch these kids play ball. They're, they're super fun to watch. They play really hard. They, they have a really great um, kind of team brotherhood going. Uh, it's awesome. It's, it's really awesome. So get on out there. Don't be stupid. Yeah, and again, you never know when they're going to pop into the NPSL squad for, <coughs> for a game when needed. And uh, I guess seeing these guys in action, at least for me, would help to alleviate any of those, any of those nervous feelings when I see their names on the, uh, on the lineup sheet. Hey, John, a real one last question before we move on. Did I see Duluth's um, Garga uh, Nua on the, on the Baraya squad? Yeah, he is, uh, he's on the Baraya squad. And also, you know who else is on the Baraya squad? E-Man. Uh, yeah, uh, Minneapolis City's ever-present wild card from the first couple of years, uh, <laughs> Emmanuel Brown. Yeah, so... Because um, yeah, like, wasn't Garga... E-Man supposed to be on a different team this year? Twin Stars. Yeah, that was He was, was on it. Twin Stars last year, too. Uh, he might still be. Who knows? Uh, but, uh, yeah, they both play for Baraya, which is, um, if, for those of you who don't know, Baraya is, um, plays in the, um, the Twin Seas African League, um, and it's basically a mixture of, of a lot of guys, um, I mean, I could go through their roster and, and point out probably, uh, six or seven that play either in the UPSL or the MPSL. So it's, uh, but it's their kind of Sunday league they play in. And, yeah. and, and when I say Sunday league, Obviously, the scoreline was one to one, and we we squandered quite a few chances. But the co- level of competition for our twenty threes was was is it's a perfect level for them because these guys are they're good at soccer. Um, they're maybe physically bigger and stronger, so they kind of put them to the test physically. Um, but our our guys performed well, and uh, I, like I said, get out there on Saturday and watch these guys play, and they'll be playing against the same team. So uh, hopefully, they fin- figure out how to finish. We worked on it. Yeah, man. All right. So, hey, on to the next segment, John. I, it's great. I'll, it's like ask and you shall receive. Our official, our own official mailbag, Bryn, wrote in with another <laughs> couple of questions this week. So let's our get content to, editor. Let's get to them. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't sound that great. That sounds content editor sounds better than a mailbag. Yeah. Sorry, Bryn. So yeah. yeah so Minneapolis City mailbag, Bryn Shane. Uh, so we'll start. He's got a number of questions that I think all should be. Uh, addressed. So let's mm-hmm. get right into it here. First question from Bryn. He tries to follow the recaps and Twitter updates to the best of my ability, but I was surprised to see that James Nair has picked up an injury. I could be wrong, but if this is a, if if so, what is the seriousness of the injury? Apologies if I missed the tweet or article detailing the situation. Uh, you did not miss an article or a tweet detailing the situation, Bryn. Slash content creator. Uh, James picked up a knock in training to his shoulder and is currently listed as day to day. If if he had to make an emergency appearance, he could. But we're we're being kind of cautious with it because um, for a goalkeeper, a shoulder is basically a knee for a, for an outfield player. So he's being closely monitored by David Bloomquist, our awesome trainer. But at this point, um, he is he's being rested and you have to tip your cap to Matt Elder who's taken his, his chance um, of stepping in and worked really hard in training to uh, to sharpen up to uh, to perform and he's turned in nine points in three matches anchoring the back line so uh, we we hate to see James go down but we're happy to see that uh, that Matt stepped in and has performed admirably since it's exactly what each of them has talked about and even Pribble when you talk about what it's like in the goalkeeper's corner at 
at training and in the locker room that like you got to be there for each other you got to support each other and you got to be ready to step up and be the guy whenever you're called on right and and, 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 have, and have each it. other ready to do that so i think it's a it's a really good instance and a really good example of how uh, a, a true goalkeeper's corner should act should look like right but the, you you also there's only one position on the field that you can play Outside yep. of James playing forward in in Sioux Falls, yeah. Um, but so you kind of have to have a chip on your shoulder too. That like, that like that when you other... get your chance, I'm gonna fucking do this. So yeah, and you're not gonna like, get it back. Yeah, it's like fuck that guy. I'm <laughs> this is my job now. Yeah, uh, but also but also like go drink beers, live after. You know, yep. so it, very it's strange weird, dynamic. It is very, that, and that's why goalkeepers are, are they're all weird. So, uh, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> question number two. <clears throat> Excuse me. The allergies have cleared up, as you can tell. I'm not oh, good. Yeah, no. So, uh, considering that the season is so short and now halfway over, I'm not going to lie that I'm a bit bummed to have not seen Tommy or Shay play yet. <coughs> sure, right as I say that, I start coughing. Mm-hmm. Jinxed <coughs> yourself. Could you discuss or describe a little bit more the process of having players join so late in the season? Is it that they are just so talented, in parentheses, a national team call-up and a D3 player of the year is pretty fucking good, that to not have them involved would be a clear mistake? I don't mean to judge or criticize. I'm just genuinely curious. The main reason I bring this up is because of the depth and talent that is in the U23 roster, which we've talked about. Um, So timely. Yep, so very timely. Thanks, Bryn. After all the great call-up performances we have seen, it seems harsh to potentially deny a player who has been with or working hard with the team from the start an opportunity for someone only joining now or soon, in my novice opinion. Yeah, so I'll start with this one, John. Um, I think we've mentioned before, uh, once or twice, but Tommy goes to Northwestern University, which the is... The good one. The good one, the one in the yeah. one in Evans, Evans, uh, what the heck's it called? Up in up in Chicago, north north Chicago, which is on a I forget what it's <laughs> what called. All of a sudden, I blanked. Uh, uh, I've even Evansville. been there like twice. It is a, it's not Evansville, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just he he goes to the good one that's in the big. Tent. So he goes it's to the good Northwestern and the good Northwestern. Like I said, I've been there a couple of times in my in a, in my past. Is on this really bizarre trimester schedule. So. I checked there. I've I've actually been like looking and checking. <laughs> Finals wrap up on Saturday, so you got to assume that right now Tommy is taking his taking his tests, getting ready to leave. Um, we might see him next week in training, right? Correct. So he'll be in training next Monday, unless um, moving back from school has any issues. But we expect him to be in training next week, um, and we'll, and and honestly, he'll be coming in at a much needed uh, addition to the team that has yeah. seen the injury bug hit the middle of the field. But to the question, uh, once again, thank you, Bryn, for the question. Very timely. Tommy coming in is not just handed a spot in the lineup. So. He's he probably hasn't been playing competitive soccer. Maybe kicking the ball around a little bit, but I know working out for sure. But to get we have to get game ready, and he has to compete for his spot on the game day roster like anybody. So the U twenty three guys that have done such a fantastic job of filling in when our needs have presented themselves will will continue on with their own team. 
but they will also still be in the conversation with Tommy when we build our game plans for the remainder of the season. So this is not a, to slight any of them, but it speaks to the competition that we've created in both the U23 team this year, um, as well as the MPSL roster at the different positions. And yeah. it allows us to really pick the right man or men for the job. So it's it's not like to your to your question, Bryn, it's not going to slight anyone who's been performing the You've, if you've seen anything this year, we've had two two things happen. One is if someone goes down for injury, we have someone step in. The other is if, if someone can't perform, we have people who will step in and perform for them. So, um, again, no slight to anybody, but uh, that's how the situation will work with, with Tommy when he comes back. Fair enough. Uh, Google Maps says Evanston, Illinois. I knew ah, it was an Evan. It. Yeah. I knew it was Evan. Uh, <laughs> so as for Shay, I think, John, this is actually a great question because almost – Two months into the season, and we really haven't seen hide nor hair of this guy, knowing that he's been, you know, kind of training for his job and this, that, and the other thing. Like, what what gives? Is he is he going to be ready? Is he coming? Uh, well, I mean, do you, do you want me to dive in or you want to, you want to keep going? Uh, well, and then real quick before you dive in, like, to address uh, his last point, I think that in general these guys coming late to the team are going to help keep us fresh and stocked with talent as we head into the home stretch and hopefully the playoffs. Like like you've already said, we we're the injury bug has been has been already starting to bite and some of these bites have been quite severe. So it's nice to have uh some options coming in late in the season in the midfield that aren't necessarily someone that might not physically be able to line up against against our competition. Um in, in some of these U twenty threes it's nice to have guys that are that are proven at a different level. So that's that's like I said Great to add the depth, great to carry us through, and also in Tommy and Shay's case, great to be able to give us probably full commitment all the way through the timetable of uh, of when the championship is, right? Sure. I mean, if you think about it too, the um, the the guys that play for Northwestern, specifically if you if you look back to Sam Forsgren, those guys tend to stay and play with like the Chicago system, so the the Adrias. Um, the Carpe- um, the Adrias, the uh, Green and Whites, or the Chicago yeah, Fires. The Carpathians so, is that isn't that Chicago or is that Milwaukee? Carpathians in Michigan. Oh, um, so you, you you tend to have those guys playing in in Illinois, um, and most notably for like the Chicago Fire system, if they're as good as as you know like a Forrest Green or a Tommy Katsianis is. So um, <clears throat> that's why they don't necessarily come home and play, but. Um, in general, that's just weird. But as far as Shay's specific situation goes, I just definitely want to clear clear some things up. So we, we had to clear up some things when he was on MLS trials and USL. And so I don't want him to be like the whipping post for a lot of like, what the heck's going on with this guy. So Shay is in a really different situation than most people, being that he graduated and he started a new job. So if anyone graduated college or even didn't graduate college and started a new job, you know how difficult it can be when you first start. So he started a new job that he did not anticipate would require him to leave the state for training and to not see that training be as long as it is to complete. Mm Mm-hmm. So we've been in, I've been in consistent communication with him. So has Adam. Uh, and throughout that the, the summer, it's been very clear that there's a chance that he might not be able to come back and contribute this season. And that's okay. Uh, what I, what I, the main focus is is that he, he's starting his life and he needs to figure that out. Soccer is we're not going to go anywhere. 
And with that said, he's part of this club and he's part of this team when he does return full time to the cities. And he'll fit. He'll he'll lace the boots up and he'll be a member of the murder whenever that may be. But yes, it does suck that you have a caliber of a player who was the best in at his level in college in the country and and could have probably gone on to play at teams higher than our level. It sucks. But the dude is a human being, and he has hum- he has human being problems. Yeah. So, uh, so we have to respect that as fans, as a sporting director, as a podcast host, as a coach, as a coaching staff member, as a teammate. We have to respect the fact that this guy's got a life, and he's got he's got to deal with it. So we we just move on, and when he comes back, he he puts his shoes on, he kicks the ball around, he gets ready to go, and when his numbers call, he plays. And it just might not. It might be this season, and it might not. So we have to just deal with that. Fair enough. Potentially disappointing. Uh, first I've heard of that. So definitely a bummer. But I want to point back to uh, when we first introduced him as a player. And I said, ah, this guy might not maybe be what uh, what everyone's expecting. He might not be the golden child that we think we need. And it turns out we're doing, we're doing pretty good without him. So when he comes right. back, I'll take him. But in the meantime, I'm happy with what's going on. Well, you know who else we're doing pretty good without is Goose. So, Fair it, you know, it's like we, we've built we've built the roster to create competition and it has fostered um, a pretty good start to the season. So yep. hopefully we continue that moving forward and these guys start coming back in and maybe we maybe we're going to need them when it really matters. But it, it, if they don't, their number isn't called, then we, we move on to the next guy. And that's just how sports is. So word. Um, so anyways, uh, definitely had to clear that up. And uh, we, good question, we, we, though. Good, great question. We love both these guys. Whenever they come in, we're going to love them even more. Um, no, so the third question comes to us. It says, any chance we get to see a U23 versus NPSL match? <clears throat> Obviously, it'd be more low-key because injuries in a match like that would be stupid. But I think it'd be fun, and I'd defs go watch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably once the season is done and dusted, right, John? Like, you don't want to risk anything. You want to make sure all the guys are at full energy and fully healthy. So once the NPSL season is over, then we can entertain the idea of, uh, of a couple friendlies. So I literally watch this game happen once a week. <laughs> I guess, week. right? <laughs> so uh, at training. So, uh, so, so Bryn, if you're really jonesing for it and it's not going to happen because of uh, what I'm going to get into, just find me at the next home match and we'll talk. Uh, but anyways, the short answer is yes. We do have plans to play what we're calling the pink and white match at the end of the season, but it will all hinge on whether or not the MPSL team makes the playoffs. Obviously, we don't want to make something like this work. We, we, we do want to make something like this work, but we don't want it to get in the way of the position we're fighting for potentially a national title. So it's it's... Yes, it's on the radar. We have a location and a date, which is not being disclosed, but we are going to put it on the back burner for now. But if you're, like I said, if you're really jonesing for it, uh, hit me up and maybe I can I can make something work for you. All right. And the last question of Bryn, it's more of a casual thing that I think we, we would be remiss if we didn't even talk about Yeah, we were uh, talking looking about at the calendar. Uh, yep. Who are your picks to win the World Cup? Bryn has France winning it. But of course, then they go and tie the USA, so he's yeah, already nervous. But, and I, yeah, I mean, but. you know, they weren't trying super hard until the last twenty minutes. Well, and then Miazga just ruined the moneymaker. Dude, could you crack. imagine? Could you believe the blood that was coming out of both their heads? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I can believe it because 
That was head a, injury is like a stuck pig, but like that was crazy. Drew's like a fucking model, like a European model, and Miazga's ugly well, face just bashed into his. Well, I hope his beak is okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, John, I'm gonna go with my uh, very unprofessional and probably uninformed opinion, but like Germany just looks like they're unstoppable, man. Like the the children of Germany won the Confederations Cup last year, and um, like half of them are in the side now. So. Right, Germany like Germany's second Germany's people that didn't make the team could probably win the World Cup. Um, so I think Germany would be will will is is my favorite, which is a obvious boring pick. I think Brazil's defense is just okay. So while their attack is going to be great, I just think they're going to get scored on too much to to really compete at the high level with with once they get through the uh, through the group stage. I think Belgium is really my sleeper to maybe beat Brazil. Um, I think the ha- Eden Hazard looks super hungry. I like Belgium's defense. I like Belgium's mm-hmm. organization. They're just pretty cool dudes. I hate Fellaini's fro. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, are you done? You want me to, That's want it. Me to go What's, to mine? What about right. you? Uh, mine's a little bit more. I think length. you'd love Germany, right? Well, it's no surprise that I'm, I'm a German supporter so but i could see them hoisting their six cup but i wouldn't sleep on spain and they're not my sleeper they're like my uh, you, you need to pay attention to spain team i do mm-hmm. have a sleeper um they have the right mix of the probably the most informed goalkeeper in the world right now in Tejea. and yeah. i'm not saying that just because i'm a united fan the dude's super good they have a stingy defense they have a dynamic midfield and they have three attackers in isco via and asensio who are more than capable of putting together a good run for a tournament. But my sleeper, Nate, and I can't believe I'm saying it because they always shit the bed, is England. Like, I think <laughs> I think that if everybody has such high anticipation for England and, and, like, they have all the press going into World Cups, but if you've noticed, there hasn't been a whole lot of press on England going into this World Cup. And I feel like they kind of have some of those players in a guy like Kane, who's not your typical English international. Like most English internationals are like the playboy types who like garner the attention where Harry Kane's just like wants to just go play soccer. And he like doesn't drink and party and like just like is like homebody and he just wants to play good soccer. So I think you like mix him in with a guy like Rashford and, you know, you know they've always played decent defensively. They have a young goalkeeper, or actually pretty much three young goalkeepers, and you never know. They're the type of team that could just like get some momentum and and get hot. But I would say Germany one, Spain two, maybe England if they catch a fart in a bottle. Yeah, man, I'm with you. I think I think England loses to Germany in the uh, in the quarterfinals. Or semi, well, I don't know, whatever, round of 16. But, I don't know what round but, that is, but... But Germany's yeah, goalkeepers, I mean, you got Ter Stegen, who's probably the most informed guy, but you're going to start Neuer because he's the That's best That's the goalie. thing, is I think that could be the biggest mistake that, that uh, Yogi makes is... Outside of picking his nose and... and his no, it's, isn't it picking his butt and sniffing it? Well, both, actually. <laughs> or, or was that Klopp? I can't remember. No, it was him. The funny part is, is that one of my friends sent me a text after he saw that, and he's like, tell me you haven't done that before. <laughs> well, fair, fair enough, but I'm not on the pitch with, like, millions of people watching me. I'm, like, at right. home, like, my butt's kind of sweaty. 
it was funny. He's like, tell me you haven't done that before. And it's like, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I, I do think England will, will, will look really good. I haven't beaten Colombia and losing to Germany in the quarterfinals. So I, I, I agree that they're they're going to be really exciting to watch. I think every game is going to be super exciting to watch. I'm planning Except on being, for the first one. <laughs> oh, God. Thank God I'm at work on Thursday. I'm going to be late to work on Friday because I want to watch that, that 7 a.m. game. And then guess what, office? I'm just going to the TV room and locking myself in there. So call me <laughs> if you need me. Yeah. Hopefully they don't listen to the the, the podcast. <laughs> so I think, uh, John, we all know that the next game on the docket, Thursday night, we should not be playing. But we will be, and we should prepare ourselves. Like, it's actually a matchup that I was looking at with a little bit of trepidation leading into this, uh, leading into it, because they took all six points from us last year. Current streak of great form notwithstanding, what is different... From last year when you're talking about Minneapolis City versus the Twin Sharks. So I think last year there was just a, a general expectation that we would just roll over them and we weren't and we weren't really ready for the style of play that they threw at us in both matches. Outside of the fact that the referee just like called the game with ten minutes ago in one of them and then it was just like a do or die match at home, bloodbath kind of game. But this year, however, we are less one-dimensional, I think, than we were last year. And we're seeing that our defense can handle different types of attacks, where last year things like the counter or overloads on a wing were, were really frustrating us. Yeah. And I also think that our strike force um, as a whole is just locked in. And last season we were just starved for chances and, and starved for goals, but we can now score with multiple people in many different ways. Yeah, uh, as far as their scores go, I think of course we're going to be on, look, on the lookout for Tyler Oliver. His his his, his brother is gone, uh, gone, gone to the PDL, but Tyler remains, and it's he scores he's once the in good a while. Oliver. Yep, Kareem. Wow, <laughs> you say that every time I bring him up. You hate this guy, Kareem Darbaki. Terrible, Kareem yeah, Dar- this- Kareem Darbaki. Of course, is always roaming the field looking to snipe a goal here and there. But I think for me, the real danger man this year for for the Twin Stars has been Chase Wright. Dude's got nine goals already, five of them against teams not named Eris, including his own version of a hat trick against Dakota. What? Which is basically a hat trick versus Eris this year, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, then that diminishes what Whitney did. But what yeah, can but- we expect out of this guy, and how are we going to deal with him? So I'm going to talk maybe broader Sure. And then just go right into him because I think he's a he's a manifestation of how they play in general. All right. So they're exactly what they were last year, minus one Oliver, the good one, and toss in some younger <laughs> college players who can <laughs> who can play. Well, I mean, it, <laughs> I'm just gonna stop myself yep. there. All right. Uh, yep. Yep. So um, let me start over. They're exactly what we thought they were last year, minus one Oliver, the good one, and toss in some younger college players <laughs> who can play but are not as battle tested as like Chase Wright or Kareem Darbaki is. Mm-hmm. They will deploy what I feel is a well organized three five two, which at times kind of forms itself into a three four three. They're very quick to get the ball into the counterattack any way that they can, whether it's a long ball, ball on the ground, whatever it may be. But they do tend to find themselves getting a bit lazy with the passing out of the back line. So all they want to do out of the back line is get the ball to Kareem, and all Kareem wants to do is get the ball forward, and that's how they play. Um, 
Their their lacy passing on the back has been eaten up by almost every team they for, they faced, including in their win, their games they've won. Um, most notably, giving up three goals to, to Aris, for example, and then three to Med City. Mm-hmm. So, in general, my keys to victory. And you notice I'm, I'm not cluing in on on Chase Wright because there's this is where I get to it. Okay. Uh, number one, my oh actually, you have. Before I get into this, you, you didn't talk about my keys to victory in the Med City game and how I'm, again, four out of four. Oh, it was amazing. I can't believe it. You're right. We passed right <laughs> over it. My bad. Passed right over it. Yeah. So don't let it happen again. Okay. Or I'll find, an, or I'll find, another, I'll find another co-host. <laughs> um, anyways, I'll, that, a joke, people. Nate, Nate and I love each other in, in a very platonic podcast way. Um, so anyways, my keys to victory for this time. Organized defense, and this is where Chase Wright comes in. We need to continue. We uh, we need to continue to allow teams um, like this to have a field day on the wings, where he likes to deploy himself as a striker. He likes to come in for the wings, wing out and in, um, and use our size and aggressiveness in the air to eat up those crosses. So we need to stifle the attack on the wings, um, and then pick off those crosses like we've done basically versus every other team that we played against outside of VSLT and Aris. Second is pin back the wingers. Make them exhaust their efforts defending us in our attack and then pressure them deep in their defensive third so they can't get into those dangerous positions to find a streaking right who makes those diagonal runs or a lazy Darbaki who lurks on the top of a box. <laughs> Lastly, control the middle. Speaking of lazy lazy center midfielders um, we've got to put a body on Darbagi early and often and, and we have to not allow him to turn and to pick out passes because he's fantastic at doing that and he's he he can pick out a goal if if we don't we we aren't paying attention if we can frustrate him and expel his energy defending um we can kind of cut the head off their creative snake and he's <laughs> not not known he's not known for working hard on that side of the ball so if we can exploit mm-hmm. the fact that he doesn't want to play defense or the fact that this game in particular, since they tend to put only emphasis on playing against us, that he'll actually flip on his defensive switch, let's, let's make him exhaust all the energy playing defense then, then going forward. So those, Nate, are my old granddad keys to victory. I like him. I like him, man. So taking a look at, uh, at their roster over the last few games, you know, one of the things that the hypothesized was that they delayed playing us until their star goalkeeper Sean Teske returned and he is back Um, but he's not unbeatable as he was last year they've given up a number of goals in the last few games including god what was it three against Aris three Um, against Aris three against Med City so they gave up six goals in their last two games right so uh Teske isn't the guy to be afraid as afraid of this year as he was last year maybe he's out of form maybe his defense sucks a lot more than it did last year but um yeah i don't know we'll see I, again i thought last year this team was going to be super beatable and we might have walked in there with a little too much swagger and a little felt a little too relaxed and got stomped uh at home and then or at, away and then at home this year i think we're talent wise better more organized and uh, and more flexible, so I, I I will anticipate better results. City versus Twin Sharks, you have to be there. It's going to be seven p.m. Thursday, 
June 14th at Prairie Seeds Academy, which I heard is a great place to practice on the night that you said that you had no uh, no field available for play. Are you sure it's 7 and not 6? That's You know what? I, I thought it's 7, but that's a great question. It's 7 on the NPSL site. I'm looking at... Uh, it is 6 p.m. Oh, okay. Well, 6 p.m. Prairie Seed Academy. See? This is how they're... This is where they're starting, John. They're... <laughs> They're uh, misinforming some of us. Um, I think we need to be there and be loud. 6 p.m. Thursday, June 14th at Prairie Seeds Academy. We can't let these fuckers get away with this shit. We have to be there. We have to rip them. We have to be the loudest people. We got to get those soccer moms super mad at us. Because I heard those soccer moms started a supporters group. And I bet their chants are going to be great. (laughs) Uh, just clipping double coupons, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, no, all joking aside, like this three points on the road against them. And we are in a very good, very good position to see out the remainder of the season. Clip so, your coupons um, is a great chant. That's yep. going to be an amazing taunt. If they start, yep. if they start John at us. So if uh, if Mr. Baker or Mr. Schreier or any of the citizens are listening, goldfish fibers. Yep, clip your coupons. We'll be yeah, we'll be great. <laughs> uh-huh. Anyways, enough of those idiots. Um, not Saturday. Our we got Maybe a game both. Saturday too. We have a game Saturday following the FC Baraya U23 turnaround. We turn around and welcome Sioux Falls Thunder to the friendly confines of Osseo in our city doubleheader. And we have got to perform better than we did last time we played them in the first game of the year. And in re- if recent history, Nate, speaks for itself, we are in a far better position and a far better team than the game than game one and have shown that. They, however, have fallen back to where we would expect them to fall on the table and um, are now tasked with coming into our house, where we have shown is a bit more difficult place to play than people <laughs> played last year against us and Edor Nelson Vanelli. Interesting. So what went wrong last time, Nate, you might ask? I do well, ask. I'm glad you asked. Um, we did not put our chances away. I went back to the stat sheet and we outshot them 18-3. to giving up two goals and scoring two. So our conversion rate was less than ideal. Uh, last uh, I noted that or last week I noted that we've got to score more goals to win games and specifically score early goals. We've done that this year. Uh, but if we find that that and we keep a mindful eye on the counterattack, we can control this game from a possession standpoint and hopefully hang a few redemption goals in these guys. So I think it's it's going past the other thing I said last week is get less Minnesota nice and more ruthless. Let's let's get it go in and let's pound these guys because they were the one of two teams to take points away from us that we should have gotten. So, but don't sleep on the Thunder. They can also catch you, um, you know, sleeping, and and we've seen that before. Yeah, I think their defense is uh, much improved over last year. They are much more organized, much more consistent compared to compared to the years past. But they're still losing. They're still not converting those chances. So if we can, if we can lock up on defense and convert those chances, like you said, that we had in abundance when we went to their house, we should be okay. This city squad is way more coherent. Way more united, way more consistent since the last time we visited. So I think, and and it's no matter who we march out on the field. That was the biggest worry when we went to 
uh, to Sioux Falls in the first week that we're bringing Lionel Vang, like we're already having a dip into this well of the U23s. Is this team going to play well together? It might have shown that maybe we weren't playing at as high a level as we could. I think now all cylinders are firing. We're ready to rock. But, like I said, Sioux Falls is improved, and they are scoring a little bit more than last year. Uh, thus, the 2-2 draw against us. Michael Haight, of course, seems to be our boogeyman. He hasn't really scored since, but Bryce Holiday has three, and uh, Manny Rosas Quiros has five. They've been putting the ball in the back of the net this season as a team, so that's good. What is uh, what is this plan going to be against the Thundee? I'm glad you asked. Cue my music for the old granddad, Keys to Victory. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what Welcome. your music would sound like. I don't know either. I went. I went with. Uh, I went with some like old, Herb old, Alpert or something, old, but I don't think yeah. that's correct. <laughs> it should be more like the. Over oh, right, um, the Bob Barker. Yeah. No, it's gonna be. It's gotta be like. It's time for your sports minute. Keys, John Bisworm. Keys to victory. Okay, there we go. Ah, uh, so for the Thunder. Number one, keep possession, keep possession, attack and defend as a unit. If we can get numbers forward and then back to defend their very um, worrisome counterattacks that they like to throw up, we will draw them into chasing the game. If they chase the game, then they will tire. And then I've I haven't seen their bench show that they can actually be up to the task to lifting a team to three points all season, mm-hmm. including when we were there. So. Uh, it, it's it's really got to be we have to keep the ball and we have to attack and defend as a unit. Number two, wake the fuck up. Do not let them hit on the counterattack. We know it's coming. So as equally as important as is to press for goals, uh, do so in a calculated fashion. We have to counter their speed with our speed on the wings um, because we know that the the hate guy he's he's fast. Um, he ran through five of our guys last year. Uh, but when we win the ball, positively move it forward, and we have to eliminate the lazy passes um, and unmarked men that can be the death of us. And then lastly, I mentioned before, just simply finish. Chances will be created. We have got to bury them before we can hit the cruise control button. Right on, man. City versus Thunder happens this Saturday, 7 p.m., June 16th uh, at Osseo High School. Tickets are available ahead of time at mplscitysc.com hey you gotta come early and watch that u23 scott u23 squad line up against fc bariah that game kicks off at 3 30 and that is all for this week's show thank you as always to our sponsor summit i've been enjoying a lot of summit's classic epa this summer and summit saga as i go to all the stadiums that i'm watching games at whether it's united whether it's the twins uh and whether i'm uh, enjoying something after the game at a Minneapolis City game. Uh, Summit! <laughs> I only enjoy after games, John. A more meaningful brew since 1986. Uh, <laughs> it's never too late to buy a membership for 2018. We're only halfway through the season. And for only $65, you get a cool season pass to all city matches this summer, including the NPSL and U23 games. It makes financial sense. You get a classy new membership scarf and, of course... A vote so you can have a say in the direction of local soccer here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Go on over to mini, uh, to mplscitysc.com. Purchase one, purchase two, purchase three, four, five for your whole family right now. 
If giving back to the community is an important part of your life, hey, it's time to give back to the club that gives back. Minneapolis City is a 501c3 that's providing safe, reliable, and fun environments for those less fortunate young people to play this beautiful game. You gotta find us all summer playing with kids in parks and community centers all around the city, and make sure you consider a tax-deductible donation to a true city-focused organization. Send us mail. Bryn does it. It's easy. Hit us up on Twitter at The People's Pitch or through email at mcscpodcast at gmail.com. All questions, comments, concerns, it's all welcome. And finally, as always, hit the club up at mplscitysc on Twitter if you want to yell at them. That is all for this week. We are going to leave you, as always, with the house MC, the new resident of Sweden. I guess he's not new anymore. He's been playing. He's been watching his Instagram. No, I've been watching it. Been it's... been watching the Grams. Nice. Miles Stockman Willis, a.k.a. Malaise. This is his track called The Come Up. I am Nate. That has been John. You people are amazing. Come out on Thursday to Prairie Seat Academy and cheer your crows on and jeer those twin sharts and then join us for an all-afternoon soccer party at Osseo on Saturday that culminates in another City W. Let's get after it. You got hooked. Poster burning maple weeds, cradle major keys Thinking back, I've been major since the minor league So supreme, too much sauce off my olive NMDs I can staple steez, bend the gold so I get the cheese Never fall, rake them leaves and make sure every moment gets seized And everything I see is make-believe Cuff a bad bitch, make her wipe off Maybelline She wanna F with me, maybe get close, data G Run up data plans, getting A to B like AT&T Hate me when she's coming, it's the perfect time for me to leave Patience thin is crepe, so I'm craving her creative Make her breakfast in bed, then have sex instead One life, live it up 175, Grey Goose, treat it like a sippy cup 105 on the dash, watch me giddy up Only one on the bench, still press the city up No stress from the press, it ain't news, I'm getting paper Ask for the check, first time I see the waiter Make my own luck, knocking over salt shakers Every September 4th, should've put in more labor Yes, flex, get out my lane, we ain't the same don't play Red Rover with the train Lingo rolling off my tongue Like a slogan spoken slang Surely spitting like this token Wrote and spoke it in some fangs I could hang a vampire Highly inspired Haven't reached this height before I might get higher Crew conspires round the campfire Rolling till our hands tired Rap MacGyver saying sapphire Satire with the swag Attire you admire So well put together No assembly required Newly hired Still this heat so fire That it gets them fired Fuck boys thinking that they fresh But expired Everybody Everybody's flawed, that's just life's law Wonder what life will be like when the ice thaw I'll die any day cause I'm down for the cost Do it bigger than the Big Bang like my name was Rush Burning bridges with no guts Tell her open up her jaws and feed her nothing but bare claws All about my dough so she want a nut duck Keep my ducks on the row on the pond like what? Getting flocks at each show, giving out goosebumps Playing with her heart, claim she playing spades Whenever we apart, her brain ain't the same Tickle her pussy as I tickle her ear hair More boss than Ross, never been to a career fair Blood, sweat, tears dripping off my upper lip On some shit, krillin' chillin', grippin' on destructo discs Go left, go right in life, maybe eat a Twix Rappin' like a silly rabbit, trippin' in the tricks On the come up! Yeah, boy, this the come up! Whole squad about to motherfucking come up.